0: Why can't it be like that for me? Why doesn't life ever go my way? I feel like God always lets me down. Things shouldn't happen this way. This is going to kill me. Good morning and welcome to Northridge Church. I want to welcome Webster, Grease, Aronikoy, Henrietta, and those of you who are with us online. If you're a guest with us, man, thanks for checking out Northridge Church. We're honored to have you here this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can jump to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 is where we're going to land this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to provide one for you. It's going to be on page 808 in one of the Northridge Bibles. You can follow along in the app and uh, check out the screens. Everything will be on there as well. And as we get started this morning, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a place in life where you wanted God to do something really bad? I mean, this, this isn't like something that you just prayed for once, but this was circumstances in your life where you needed God to intervene, and you fasted, and you prayed, and you found yourself weeping before God because you needed God to come through. You needed God to intervene for you. Much like Hezekiah did in 2 Kings chapter 20, his story starts in verse one. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. And so Hezekiah gets not really good news, news that we all wanna avoid, you're gonna die. He's been ill, and it's not going to get better. And this wasn't like doctor's orders. This was from the mouth of God. God says, hey, get your household in order. Get your will ready, because you're not going to get any better. And so Hezekiah responds to that in verse 2. It says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly so as Hezekiah hears this news that he's going to die, he does what a lot of us might have done. He falls on his knees and he weeps and he begs God, God, God I've been faithful to you. God, I've, I've walked with you with wholehearted devotion. God, please spare me. Please intervene. Please heal me. And his tears and his prayers, God hears. Verse four, it says, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord says. The Lord, the God of your father, David, says, I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. Pretty awesome story. I mean, that's amazing. Like, he's about ready to die. God says, you're going to die. He weeps, and he pleads, and God intervenes, and he heals him. And scripture is full, it's chalked full of stories like this, where God intervenes on someone's behalf. You think of the, the nation of Israel being freed from bondage. They're fleeing the Egyptians. They're facing this Red Sea. There's an army coming to slay them. And God intervenes, and he splits the sea wide open, and they walk in dry land. You read the Gospels, you see story after story of Jesus intervening and healing people who are blind, paralyzed. And I don't know about you, when I read stories like Hezekiahs and I read through the gospels of God coming through for people like me, it leads me to this place where I expect God to do the same for me. I mean, I, I, when I'm in need and 2,000 years later, when I'm in need and I need God to heal or I need God to provide or I need God to overcome, it leads me to a place when I read his word and I read story after story of God doing it for someone, I just kind of expect him to do the exact same thing for me. And right there is that sneaky third silent killer, the silent killer of expectations. You see, we've been in this series, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Silent Killers. And it's really built on this phrase that some things kept silent will hurt you. And in our culture, we've been told to be quiet so much that a lot of the important issues in life, we just kind of keep on the inside, we keep hidden. The problem is, is they're devastating our relationships, our walk with God. In week one, we talked about worry, how worry consumes us, but how we overcome it. Last week, we talked about depression, a dark state, and how we can overcome it. And this week, we're talking about that third silent killer, the silent killer of our expectations. So let's just define what that word is. This is how I would define expectations. And so when I say this word, this is what I mean. Expectations are our belief, our hope, that something should happen a certain way. I mean, that's ultimately what what an expectation is, is that we're expecting something to happen or someone to do something the way that we see it. And so if you think about an expectation, it kind of falls in the middle of a desire So we all desire things. Then it goes to expectations, and then it leads to demands. So expectations kind of falls in in the middle of those two categories. It's not a desire, and it's not a demand. It's an expectation. But get this. I I read a study this week. 80% of our expectations are assumed, never expressed. How crazy is that? Some of you are like, 80%? That seems really high. But think of all, uh, about all the things in our life that we just expect. You see, for all of us at all our, all our campuses, when you sat down this morning, you just expected the chair to hold you. I hope that you didn't look at that chair and be like, listen here, buddy. We expect a lot of things. We expect our money in our bank account to, to stay there. We don't want anybody to take it. We expect it to be there when we pay our bills. We expect a lot of things, and we never actually communicate them. They're all inside of our head. And here's the problem, is when we leave our expectations in our hearts and in our heads, it leads to two things. Silent expectations lead to disappointment. Silent expectations, when we don't communicate our expectations, it leads to a place where we're disappointed. It creates tension in the relationships. Maybe you all can relate to this illustration. You ever been at this place in life where, you know, you got maybe an important meeting to go to or you're having coffee with another lady or you got a business meeting you got to get to and you wake up, you get everything ready, you got your coffee in hand, you grab your keys, you go out to your car and you just expect your car to start and you turn the key and it goes click, click, click and you say words you shouldn't say out loud. Maybe I'm the only one who can relate to that. You see, you expected your car to work, and it didn't, and it led to disappointment. This is how it fleshes out in my life. You see, in our church, at least once a year, we do a sermon series that we shoot on location, and so our video team and myself, we travel to Israel or Turkey, and we shoot these series on location. And what that means for me and my family is I'm going to be gone for 7 to 14 days. And that puts a lot of pressure on my wife with a couple girls and a son on the way. It's, it's a lot for her to take in being gone for 14 days. And I'm a family guy. I love being with my family. And so going away is, is hard. I miss my family. And so when I'm traveling to shoot videos, I, I often, you know, dream and think about, when I'm going to come back. And so when I get on the plane, about 12-hour plane ride home, I begin to expect and dream about what it's going to be like when I get back. And so, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, when I open the door, I just imagine like my kids running to me. Daddy's home. This is amazing. I imagine my wife all dolled up, makeup on in a nice dress, running and jumping into my arms and kisses me. And we put the kids to bed and I'll leave it at that. And my wife, on the other hand, she has expectations. Because she's been at home with the kids for two weeks. And she's like, daddy's coming home to change diapers. He's coming home to save me from these terrorists. That's my kids. So guess what happens when my expectations meet reality? I open the door and all I smell is poopy diapers. My kids are in their underwear running around screaming, and my wife's like, get me out of here. (laughs) And guess what it does? It leads to disappointment. And I think a lot of us, we can relate to that because we've had expectations in our head we never communicated in our marriage, in our business, in our job, in our schools, because we all have expectations. We have expectations for our family, we have expectations for our relationships, our businesses, and silent expectations leads to disappointment, but also silent expectations can ruin relationships. It can ruin relationships. You see, some of you, you have tension in your marriage. Your marriage is struggling today, and it's been struggling for a while, and honestly, maybe one of the problems is, is you have expectations for your spouse that you never told them, and they're trying to measure up to those expectations, but they're just guessing in the dark, and, and expectations are, are a major cause of, of ruining relationships. It's just the same in your, in your business world. If you lead a company or you're a boss or a coworker, man, it's really hard to navigate what your boss wants when you don't know what he wants or what she wants, because when we keep our expectations hidden inside, it leaves us all guessing, and it can ruin marriages. It can ruin friendships. It can ruin, it can ruin relationships, and it also affects our relationship with God, because we all come to the table in our relationship with God with expectations of him. Maybe we've read stories in the Bible. Maybe we heard another Christian tell us about how amazing God is and what he did in their life. And so we bring these expectations into our relationship with God. And really one of the major struggles and one of the biggest questions with walking with God and being a disciple and following Jesus is what happens when I have an expectation of God and he doesn't mean it? What happens when I need God to intervene? I'm praying that he'll heal somebody. I'm praying that he'll overcome my addiction. I'm praying that he'll deal with something that I can't deal with. And what happens when God doesn't answer? God doesn't come through. He doesn't provide. And we see a beautiful glimpse of that with his son, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 26. We pick up the story in verse 36. It says this. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And so I want to set you the context of this story. Jesus is with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows that he's getting ready to be betrayed. He knows that he's getting ready to be arrested, to stand on trial. And ultimately, he's going to the cross. It's just a matter of days. And so he knows that's coming, and he's, he's at the point where he's sorrowful. He's, he's, he's like, I know it's coming, but I don't want it to come. And so he goes with his disciples to this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he sets them off to the side, and he says, stay here and pray while I go over here and pray a little bit. And so verse 39, it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, May this cup be taken from me. And right here we get this really unique, this unique dialogue with Jesus and his father. It's unique because, man, God exists in a trinity. And don't get caught up on that word trinity. It just means we, we serve one God who displays himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here in this passage you have two of them, God the Father and God the Son, interacting with each other. And Jesus goes to his father, knowing what's about to come, knowing the cross is ahead of him, and he says to his dad, Dad, is there any other way? Dad, I I, I don't really want to go to the cross. I don't don't really want to, to deal with the pain and the suffering. Is there any other way? Jesus says, can you take this cup from me? He's not talking about a coffee mug. He's talking about something that God has been withholding, his wrath. You see, God was about to pour out his wrath on his son for the sins of the world. Jesus is about ready to take on the wrath of his father for the sins he didn't commit. Actually, the sins that you and I committed. Jesus is standing in our place and he's in this moment, he's in the garden asking his father, hoping that his father has another way. Now, I wanna just kinda set the record clear. No, by no means is Jesus asking his father to stop the redemption plan for the sins of the world. But he's asking his dad, is there another way? Do I have to go to the cross? And it wasn't something that he just prayed once. In fact, it was something that he prayed three times. Look at verse 44. It says, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. And so this isn't a prayer that Jesus was like, hey, you know what, maybe I'll pray it once. No, this is something in, in, in a matter of uh, probably a couple hours, Jesus is on his knees weeping in front of his dad like, is there any other way? I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of expecting maybe you to intervene, God. And we can, we, some of us, we can relate to that. Maybe even in, in our circumstances now. Because we've prayed the same prayer over and over and over again. Some of us are praying the same prayer at at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner and at night before we go to bed because we need God to do something. We need God to provide for our bills. We need God to overcome an addiction. We need God to do something great. And so we're praying this prayer over and over and over again because we're desperate and we can relate to Jesus. Is there any other way, God? Can you come through? Can you intervene? And what's interesting about this passage is we know the end. We know the answer his father gives. God says no. No to his son. His son who's asking for another option, and his father says, you got to go to the cross, Jesus. There's no other way. And right here, Jesus kind of gives us a clear path of how we overcome our unmet expectations with God. And the first step of that is, I think, simply communicating them. We have to learn to communicate our expectations in all relationships. I think it starts with our relationship with God. I mean, think about this. This is so fascinating that God the Father and God the Son, one God, but in in two persons, are communicating to each other. And so if Jesus communicates with his Father, his desires, and his hope, how much more should we do the same thing? I mean, if Jesus sets the example, it should lead us to a place where we communicate with God. Hey, God, I need you to come through. God loves when you tell him what you need. God loves to hear the hearts of his people's cries. I mean, he wants to know what's going on. And we have to communicate. But also, it it, it translates into all of our relationships. Your marriage. Man, if you're getting ready to get married or you're a newlywed couple, or you've been married for 40 years, one of the best things you can do is communicate your expectations for your spouse. Because when you do that, just, just to make things clear, just because you communicate your expectations doesn't mean that they're all going to be met. But I'm telling you, it would spare you a lot of trouble and heartache if you stopped assuming what you need your wife to be or your husband to be, and you just said, hey, here's how I, I, I think this should go. And you guys dialogue about it instead of guessing. And it translates into business, it translates into all relationships, a relationship with your family. We all have these expectations in our head, and if we would just get them out on the table and dialogue about these. This impacted my life two years ago when we moved to Rochester. You see, up to this point in our marriage, my wife had always worked full time, she was a registered nurse. And so when we moved to Rochester, we made the conscious choice to allow Ashley to stay home with her kids since she was pregnant to have our second one, Ruby Kate. And up to this point in our marriage, I enjoy cooking, and so I did 90% of the cooking in our household. Ladies, if your husband doesn't cook, you can free to elbow him right now, like pick up the slack. But what happened was when Ashley chose to stay home, I just assumed that when I came home, there'd be a hot meal on the table. And guess what, Ashley just assumed when I came home, I was gonna make that hot meal on the table. And guess what, there was no hot meal on the table. And I get mad when I'm hungry. Can anybody relate? When you get hungry, you get hangry. Where's the food? And you know what? It caused tension. And it was an easy solution. Instead of thinking what we desire, we communicate those things. We communicate them to God. We communicate them to our spouses, our coworkers. And we manage those tensions because Jesus communicated what he desired with his father. But then secondly, and I think this is really spiritually, secondly is we have to learn to embrace an even-if lifestyle. We have to embrace an even-if lifestyle. And I want to explain what I mean by that. And and, and really, it's it's found in Daniel chapter 3. If you want to dig a little bit deeper in this message, I'd encourage you in your devotion time this week, read Daniel chapter 3, the entire chapter. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in this story, I'm going to sum it up for you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar is is ruling, and he builds this giant statue of gold, and he basically says, you need to worship me. When the music plays, you bow down and you worship this statue of gold. The problem is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they follow God, and God says, have no other gods before me, and so it put them in this quandary, what do we choose? And they didn't bow, and it brought trouble into their life. So the king brought them before him, and he said, maybe you didn't understand when the music plays, you bow, or guess what? You're gonna die. You're gonna be thrown into this fiery furnace. And one of my favorite moments in scripture, because, man, I just desire to have faith like this and courage like this. These three young guys looked at this king who's gonna kill him. He says, listen, king, we're not gonna bow down to your statue. Do you wanna know why? Because we believe our God is powerful enough to overcome you. But that's not where they left the sentence. Daniel chapter 3, verse 18, they say this, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold you have set up. And if that, 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 that phrase doesn't fire you up and make you want to have faith like that, I don't know what will. I mean, their life is on the line, and they say, hey, we trust God can save us. We believe God has the power to overcome it. But even if he chooses to not do it, we're still going to follow him. We're still going to trust in him. Job said it like this, Job chapter 13, verse 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet yet will I hope in him. No matter how bad my circumstances get, my hope will rest in God. And what this looks for us is like, God, I'll trust you even if it doesn't go my way. I'll love my wife even if she doesn't meet my expectations. I'll be a good employee even if my boss doesn't tell me what he wants. That's what it looks like even if. And and here's what it practically means for us. So here's the reality is is we're going to learn to trust God with blank. We're going to learn to trust God with blank. Some of you are like, wait, what goes in the blank right here? I need to write something down. Take a breath. There's nothing that goes in the blank. You fill it in with what you need God to provide for you, what you need God to intervene in your life. We're going to trust him. We're going to trust him with blank. We're going to trust him to heal that person we love. We're going to trust him because our expectations aren't always a bad thing. Matthew chapter 19 verse 26, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I want you to understand it's a good thing to go out in faith and say, hey, I'm struggling with an addiction, and I believe God can heal me. I believe that God can overcome cancer. I believe God has the power to heal anything. You see, that's faith, to believe in something. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus looked at people who he healed, and he said, hey, your faith has healed you. And so for us to expect that our God is bigger than anything we face is a good thing. And I think for some of you, you need to stretch yourself to believe that God can come through you in any circumstance because that's the truth of Scripture. So we trust God with blank, whatever the circumstance is, whatever we, we need Him to come through. But here's where it gets really, really difficult because we trust God with blank, but we trust Him even if He doesn't. We trust Him even if He chooses to go a different route. And I wanna make a really careful distinction here because a lot of us as Christians, we claim to trust God. We claim that we trust God, but the moment God doesn't do something that we want, the moment God doesn't come through for us, we question God, we, we look and say, how can I follow a God who doesn't care about what I want and what I desire? And I want you to understand something this morning. This is a really important truth, is if you live that way, And your faith is based on that trust, like that you trust God as long as he does it your way. I want you to understand, you don't really trust God at all because that's not trust. All you're doing is trusting in yourself. God, do it my way. God, my will and my way, that's not trust in God. That's trust in you. But to trust in God is saying, God, I want you to do this and I believe you can do this. And I'm going to expect you to it. I'm going to have faith that you're going to. But even if you choose to go a different way, I will always follow you. That is trust at its finest. And we see that at the end of the story. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus, God, is there any other way? I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to go to the cross. Come on, dad, find another way. Look what Jesus says. This is his response. Verse 39, he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 42, he says, may your will be done. See, some of us, we claim to trust God, but really the only thing we trust in is our way and our will. And man, I remember having to live this out in one of the most hard times in my life. You see, I wanna introduce you to someone. I've told a little bit of his story. His name is Stanton. You're gonna see a, a picture of him on the screen. And Stanton was a, a youth leader uh, when I was a pastor, a youth pastor in Georgia. And he was one of those guys that just loved kids. I mean, he was just, it, it just a guy who just was so easy to talk to. And so about 2010, we were gearing up for summer camp. Summer camp is when we gathered around 300 high schoolers and we went to the beach for a week and we just saw God do amazing things. And right before we left, probably two weeks out, Stanton was diagnosed with brain cancer. And the doctor said there was hope. Um, it wasn't a death sentence. They, they had hope that they might be able to heal him from it. And so. I looked at Stanton and I was like, dude, you shouldn't come to summer camp. Like you gotta, you gotta do chemo. You gotta do, he looked at me and said, listen, there's nothing keeping me from these kids for this week. That was the type of guy Stanton was. And so we get to summer camp and there's this moment that happened that I will never forget in my entire life. It's one of the most powerful moments in my life. It was Thursday night and we were worshiping out on the, the beach. We were singing songs. There were tiki torches kind of all over the place. It was dark and one of the kids, he took Stanton and he was in a wheelchair, he couldn't walk and he pushed him into the beach and he pushed, he pushed him into the middle and all the kids circled around and they all had these bracelets on. There were white bracelets that said, believe. And at the bottom of the bracelet, it said, he can. So basically the kids were saying, we believe God can heal him. And for the next two hours, 300 high school students just cried out to God. God, heal our friend. Kids who have never prayed out loud in their life are weeping and crying out to God, heal, stand. And man, I just sat back and I took it in and I watched it and it was amazing. It was powerful It moved me and I could see God working. And I was like, God, you're, you're going to do this. Like I was believing like God's going to heal Stan. It's going to be amazing. His gospel and his glory is going to be revealed to 300 kids and they're going to go to their towns and tell everybody about Jesus. Man, God, wow. This is going to be amazing. I'm just glad I get to be a part of it, God. And then two weeks later, the story changed because The cancer won, and I was standing at a funeral of my bud dead, and it was one of those moments where I was like, God, I don't, I just don't get you. This doesn't make sense, God. Not even for my own selfish ambition but god 300 kids they would have told everybody about you and how powerful you are and how mighty you are they would have told the world about you like revival could have taken place your name could have been lifted high why wouldn't you want that and i wrestled and i struggled and god made me answer a question And I think it's a question that we all have to answer at some point in our life. And it wasn't, are you going to trust me, Drew? Because I already made that decision. And I think for a lot of us, we got to make that decision before the circumstance happens. God, I'll trust you. But the question God asked me is, will I allow my unmet expectations to interrupt my relationship with God? And I feel like for a lot of us, we've fallen trap to when God doesn't come through for us, when God doesn't provide healing, when God doesn't provide the power to overcome the injustice of this world, where God doesn't give us the power to overcome our addictions, when God doesn't intervene, when God doesn't provide for us. Sorry, God, I don't wanna follow you because you don't care for me. You don't love me. If you love me, you'd give me what I want. And I'm telling you today, you don't want to follow a God who gives you what you want. You want to follow a God who knows what's best for you before you even know what's coming. You want to follow him because he knows what's best for you, even when you can't see it, even when you don't understand it, even when you don't have the faith to stand and believe it. And that was me. I wanted Stan to be healed. And God said, I have something so much greater, Drew. And he ultimately did heal Stan, just not the way I wanted him to. And so I'd ask you today, do you really fully trust God even when he doesn't meet your expectations? Our band's going to sing a song. It's a really powerful song. It's called Even If. And man, I would just challenge you as, as our band plays this song that you would just take the words in. Maybe if you need a moment with just you and God where you just declare to God, man, I trust you, God, no matter what. Even if, God, I trust you. Maybe you need to just kneel at your seat and have a moment with God. Maybe you want to come to the front of our auditorium and just lay your burden down at God. Whatever you need to do, I can't tell you what that is. But in our darkest places in life, when we don't understand what God is doing, and when he doesn't come through, the question is, will you trust him even if?